Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. So much football that we will get to here. Brian joining me in a second. Then we'll get to the NBA playoffs, playoffs, NBA finals. And then we'll get to the baseball playoffs, which continue today with the American League games in a bubble, baseball in a bubble. And we will pay tribute to a legend that we lost over the weekend. All that and more coming up in this hour with you on ESPN Radio. But I must say, over the weekend, I found a delightful surprise in my mailbox. A brand new book that my friend Brian Billick has available right now in which he is going to explain why it is so difficult for teams to finally find the quarterback that they so desperately need. And Brian is with us on the Shell Penzel Performance Line. Congratulations, Brian. Thank you very much. How are we doing today? I'm good, and I'm excited to read it. I, as I say, I just got it over the weekend, and it's available this week, and it is called The Q Factor, The Elusive Search for the Next Great NFL Quarterback. And I want to go through all of the storylines that are taking place, but I am interested in this because, as you point out in the, in the, in the material that gets sent along with the book, it's like 50-50 is the hit rate on drafting a quarterback in the first round. And if you're going to explain to us in this book why it is people get this wrong so often— Give us a little teaser on this. What is it that people get wrong or miss when it is, comes to drafting quarterbacks early, as we see so often? Well, as you said, a first-round pick is 50-50, and that's, you're not going to win with that. Um, and, and like Bill Polian says, 50-50 is going to get you beat. Just let me bat 525. Let me just be a little bit better, whether it's quarterback or any other position, and now you're talking about a playoff-caliber team, maybe even a Super Bowl team. And what it comes down to is, and it was fascinating to track that class, 2018 class, because we used that as a backdrop, and it ended up being a fascinating class at, at about that 50-50 level. We're still determining as to what we thought of them coming in, where they went, what was the fit, and how well did they do. And, and it's a case that whether it's Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, Josh Allen, who's obviously been spectacular, Josh Rosen, who's basically been laid out of the league, and, and Lamar Jackson, and, and it does require looking at, because in what world do you take Mitchell Trubisky ahead of Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes? I mean, what justification do you take Josh Rosen ahead of uh, Lamar Jackson? Yet it happens over and over again, and we look at the circumstances that uh, to lead to those kind of mistakes. I think it's really interesting. Again, the book will be available uh, this week, and, and, and I'm only starting here because I guess I have a vested interest in it, but we see Lamar Jackson tearing up the league, and we see Baker Mayfield with his ups and downs, and all of a sudden this year he seems to be playing a little bit better, and the reason is because the coach seems to have found a scheme that suits what he's doing well, and Josh Allen has emerged, and he's become a great player. Sam Darnold, the people in New York are ready to move on. The fans I'm talking about, despite the fact that it's my belief that if you would put Patrick Mahomes in the circumstances that Sam Darnold has been in from the moment he got drafted, I don't know how much better he would look. How much of how these quarterbacks turn out in your mind, Brian, is about the circumstances in which they are developed? Well, and that's, that's the question, isn't it? Because there really are three factors. There's the physical ability, there's the emotional and mental ability to process and perform at this level, and then it's the fit with the team. Now, physically, you can go to every draft bust in the NFL at the quarterback position. Jamarcus Russell, Vince Young, uh, Ryan Leaf. I mean, the list goes on and on. Achilles Smith. Physically, they were fine. Physically, they could play in this league. But it's the next two circumstances, the mental and emotional ability to process this game at a very elite level. It doesn't mean they're not smart if they don't. It just means they're not athletically smart. They don't have that, what I call that athletic arrogance and that ability to process 
But what is the match? And that's the tough thing when you look at a Sam Darnold. Is it indeed Sam Darnold? Is it something missing in the two first two areas? Or is it the fact that he has been through a couple different systems? They, they haven't surrounded him with the right. The hardest thing to do sometimes is evaluate a quarterback separate from what's going on around him. And with Sam Darnold, hard to say. Baker Mayfield, certainly the emotional and mental aspect of it has been the biggest question. But you can't discount the fact that he's been through two head coaches in the NFL, multiple coordinators. So that, from that standpoint, it makes the evaluation just that much tougher. Yeah, he's on his third head coach right now, four if you include the interim, and it's only his fourth season. Greeny with Brian Billick. I'm going to put Brian on hold, and they're going to try and get him a little better sell because I want to go through all the circumstances around the league right now. Brian's book is called The Q Factor, The Elusive Search for the Next Great NFL Quarterback. And again, we'll have Brian back here in just a second as they try and figure out the situation with his phone line. And I'll say it, I've said it a million times, and I'll say it again. More young quarterbacks in the National Football League are ruined then developed that's the reality and that's why these teams remain bad that's why they fire coaches it's not about drafting the wrong guy it's about putting the right guy into the right situation so we'll see all right brian is back here brian let's go through some of the circumstances here's what i'm going to do i'm going to put you in the position that some of the head coaches in the nfl find themselves in right now and you tell me how you would handle it let's start with this wild scenario the patriots find themselves in tonight with the specter of, you know, the positive coronavirus testing hovering over them. They leave Foxborough this morning. They fly to Kansas City. They get a couple of hours rest in a hotel. They go out tonight without their starting quarterback, Cam Newton. They play Brian Hoyer against probably the best team in the league in Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City. And then they fly back. So now you're Bill Belichick. If anyone can figure this out, he can. How are you handling a day like this and a game like this? Yeah, boy, tough circumstances. My my mentor, the late great Denny Green, always used to say, "We got to be prepared to march all day and fight all night." Uh, and that's where they're at. Look, this is the circumstances. Um, the ability to to travel and play on the same day, you can do that. It's not ideal. Certainly, the lack of Camp Newton and starting Brian Hoyer is going to have a much larger effect on the game than the fact that you had to fly in a couple hours in the morning get that routine certainly it's not optimum and the fact that you're playing maybe the best team not maybe the best team in the national football league on the road you know the prognosis isn't real good but they'll show up they'll play uh and and uh, what the outcome will be will be and afterwards they'll say, hey we're moving on to the next game which is all you can really do the players will be able to deal with it uh the emotional and uh boy we're going to play we're not going to play what about him is he okay is this going to happen they're going to be emotionally run out. It's hard to imagine that they're going to play very well. Brian, I agree with that. Greeny and Brian Billick with you. Next spot I want to put you in is Chicago. You mentioned Mitch Trubisky, who was drafted ahead of Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes. Well, the coach brings in Nick Foles uh, first in the offseason. He actually brings him to the team. And then last weekend, he brings him into a game and he rallies them for a big win. And they're 3-0. and and, and there's just this good feeling like, hey, we've got the right quarterback now and we're going to take off. And then he goes out and lays an egg in his first game. That was a terrible game to watch yesterday against Indianapolis. So if you're in his situation, how long do you go before you start? If How long would this thing have to go and not start to look better before you would be giving any consideration to switching back again to Trubisky? Wow. That, that once you make that move, you can't now go back to the team and say, 
well, okay, now we're going to go back to this guy because we can win with him. I mean, you can go back to him. But selling that, I mean, you replaced him for a reason. And obviously, this is what he wanted to do. Because Nick, uh, Mitchell Trubisky wasn't playing great, but I don't know other than the one pick six, he was really playing that poorly, and they were 2-0. and So clearly, you know, uh, Navy wanted to make this move, and that's exactly what he said. The problem is now Nick Foles has got to deliver uh, because, because Navy's reputation and, and, quite frankly, his job is on the line. Nick Foles, as we know, can be spectacular. What we don't know is what is Nick Foles for the course of an entire season. He had a great seven-game run, obviously, in Philly and then on through the playoffs, and you can say, okay, this guy's going to be great. But a 16-game or a 13-game schedule, then all the way through with the ups and the downs, I, I, I do, we don't know what you're going to get out of Nick Foles. And so the problem is you're going to have a game like you had against Indianapolis, and I don't know that Nate, he can, short of Nick Foles getting hurt, I don't know that he can go back to Trubisky. He may have to. I don't know that it will go particularly well, and the appropriate changes will take place at the end of the year. I agree with you. Again, Brian Billick, his new book is called The Q Factor, The Elusive Search for the Next Great NFL Quarterback. Brian, let's do it again soon. The phone connection's not the best, so we'll leave it there. Uh, but congratulations on the book, and let's talk again soon. Thank you, as always. Thanks much. We will. All right, that's Brian Billick with me on the Shell Pennzoil performance line. Not, not the best cell phone connection, obviously, um, but I, I wanted to hear his perspective. And I think he's right with what he said there about the Foles-Trubisky situation. I hadn't thought of it that way. I had just looked at it as, at what point do you say to yourself, if the Foles thing doesn't start getting better, let's just try and catch lightning in a bottle the other way. But he's right. You've got to sell that to the rest of the players on your team. You have to be able to say, hey, guys, <laughs> remember when I told you we couldn't win with this guy? Well, now I've changed my mind. So they find themselves, it, it was the decision that you, once you make it, you can't unmake it. Like once, once you move on, you've moved on. And they've got to stick with that, I think, at this point, come hell or high water and see where they take it. Greeny with you, presented by Progressive Insurance. Uh, actually, let me give you the Monday Night Football preview, which is presented uh, by Progressive and. There's two games tonight. We've talked about New England and the situation they're in against Kansas City. The Packers are in an interesting situation as well. The Packers host Atlanta. Atlanta is the best winless team you'll ever see. They score points against everybody. Atlanta gave away two games. They're 0-3, but their first loss was to uh, the, the unbeaten Seattle Seahawks of Russell Wilson fame. Their second loss was when they forgot how to cover an onside kick. Otherwise, they beat Dallas. Their third loss, they give up a three-score lead to Nick Foles in the fourth quarter. So the Falcons should not be slept on. This is not an easy game for Green Bay tonight at all. And as I was on my way home from the TV show this morning to do this, I saw the news that Devontae Adams has been ruled out for tonight for Green Bay. So they will play that game tonight without Adams and without Lazard. And so what they're doing, again, they have Marquez Valdez-Scantling and a collection of other people whose names you don't know, and maybe Aaron Rodgers turns them into great players because that's what great quarterbacks do. Great quarterbacks, we've said it before. Peyton Manning put a lot of kids, a lot of his teammates, their kids went to private school because he played with Peyton Manning. That's, that's the way things went. Great quarterbacks can make guys great or at least good who otherwise aren't much. But I do think there is some curious irony in the Packers putting this much on Rodgers when they chose to draft his replacement this offseason. That decision just looks worse and worse by the week. So we'll see. We're approaching the trade deadline in the NFL. There is one of those this year. 
And let's see if the Packers decide to make a move and get Aaron some help. Because he's going out there tonight with Valdez, Scantling, and I, who even knows who else? Would you imagine that you'd be in a position where you say to yourself, what are they going to do without Alan Lazard? But that's where they are. He made Lazard look like a star last week. Now he's hurt. Devontae Adams is a star. He's hurt. He's not going to play. So they go on Monday Night Football tonight in a game that could easily be a shootout because Matt Ryan will put points on the board on you anytime he wants. And you're asking Rodgers to do it basically by himself. That decision looks worse and worse the further we go. That's my Monday preview brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Drivers who save with Progressive save over $750 on average. Call or click today. Find out if we could save you hundreds on your car insurance. All right, I'm going to open up the phone lines here, the hot take lines at 888-SAY-ESPN. Give me a call. I'm going to get to yours after I get to mine. But I'm looking for hot takes. On these Mondays, we all have a lot of things we just think we saw, and we're positive we know a bunch of things. So I want your hot takes. I want them hot. 888-SAY-ESPN. Give me your strong opinions about the NFL. I will give you my top three. Here comes number one, coming out of yesterday in pro football. Number one, Odell Beckham yesterday made the biggest play of the NFL season so far. The biggest play for two reasons. I think it may have changed the season for both teams. Let's start with this. I believe the Cowboys are going to win that game if they stop the Browns on that drive. If you watch the game, you know what I'm talking about. The Cowboys are way behind. They come roaring back. They've cut that to a three-point game. And I don't know if you saw what I saw, but I thought the Browns looked rattled. I thought Baker Mayfield in particular looked rattled in that fourth quarter. There was a little bit of, oh, no, don't let this happen to us here. In a lot of faces, I thought, for the Cleveland Browns. And they did the smartest thing they could do. They remembered, oh, yeah, we've got the best player on the field. Let's just put the ball in his hands and see what happens. And boy, did it happen. On a play in which he ran 20 yards behind the line of scrimmage, Odell Beckham took it in for one of the most spectacular touchdowns we will get in the NFL this year, and one that, again, I think turns the seasons of both teams. Cowboys are going to lose that game. Excuse me. The Cowboys are going to win that game if that play doesn't happen. And the Browns, I think, are going to be devastated. If they lose that in that spot against that team in that building, that's the kind of loss that can ruin a season. So Odell Beckham, I think, makes the Brown season. The only reason I will not say that I believe it will wind up being the most important play of the season is because of my second hot take, which is this. The Cowboys are still going to win the NFC East. I know they're one and three. And I know they could easily be and probably should be 0-4. But here's the situation. The next two weeks, the Eagles get the Steelers and the Ravens. The Cowboys get the Giants and the suddenly reeling Cardinals. Now, yes, Kyler Murray may do all kinds of damage to that terrible Dallas defense. But those are both winnable games. And the Eagles will definitely lose to both Pittsburgh and Baltimore. I've got Eagles fans trying to give me the business because you beat Nick Mullins last night to move into a first-place position in the woeful, terrible NFC East. And you're there because your coach played for a tie that, that, that people made him apologize for, which continues to be ridiculous. And I give Doug Peterson a lot of credit. The way he stood by Carson Wentz and the way he coached that game last night, aggressive early, showing that confidence in his quarterback and his offense, I think it sent the message that needed to be sent. 
So they get a win last night. Give them credit. You either win or lose these games, and they won it. Again, that's it. They played the B team of the 49ers, but that team had just beaten the Giants 36-9 to for whatever that's worth. But the Eagles are stepping up in class huge time next week and the week after. Steelers, who will be coming off a bye. It wasn't supposed to be a bye, but that's the way this thing worked out. Steelers and Ravens. Eagles will lose both those games. Cowboys, Giants, and Cardinals. They should unquestionably win at least one of them, if not both. So I believe the Cowboys will still, when it's all said and done, win the NFC East. Third hot take, and this is the one I expect to get the most disagreement, but I hope my buddy Orlovsky and everybody else is listening when I say the following. The New England Patriots are still going to win the AFC East. The Pats are still going to win the AFC East. And I'll tell you something about tonight's game. They're going to lose this game tonight. Brian Horrier is playing. They're flying out to Kansas City today, and they're playing the best team in the NFL. You know what? They probably were going to lose this game anyway. At Kansas City is a game most teams in the NFL are going to lose. So the Patriots, I'm not going to say they get a break in this situation, but you'd much rather be, in my opinion, in this spot in a game that you probably had, not that they would have chalked it up as an L, but if I'm a fan, I probably would have put an L next to this one before the season. When you don't want to be missing, when you don't want to be in this situation is a game you should absolutely win. So let's take a look at the coming schedule. The Bills in the next five weeks play Tennessee, Kansas City, New England, and Seattle. Bills are going to lose some of those games. The Patriots will start getting better again. They'll start getting healthy again. The Patriots, I believe, assuming Cam can come back, and that's first and foremost the most important thing. I don't even know really how to say these things. I hope it goes without saying, it should go without saying, that overwhelmingly the most important thing is that Cam Newton and any of the players on the Titans and any of the players on the Chiefs and anybody else involved with the coronavirus be healthy and safe. That's more important than who wins these football games, of course. And I'm going to stop saying it because it should just go without saying. But assuming Cam can come back, and I don't know exactly how long he's going to have to miss, maybe he misses one more game, so long as they can sort of stay afloat. With Cam Newton, the Patriots are insanely dangerous. And the Bills, while they've been great, and I take nothing away from them, and the quarterback is playing out of his mind, he is playing as well as anybody in the league, they haven't exactly played murderers row. They've beaten the Jets, they've beaten the Dolphins, they've beaten the Rams, who are a good team. And yesterday they beat the Raiders. So when they step up in class a little bit, again, next four of the next five games, Tennessee, Kansas City, New England, Seattle. Let's see where those wind up. Those are my hot takes. I'm Greeny, and I want to hear yours coming up. 888-SAY-ESPN is my phone number. I'm presented by Progressive Insurance, protecting your business with specialized coverages for your commercial vehicles. More at ProgressiveCommercial.com. It's an incredibly busy time in sports. As this hour continues, next up, we'll get your hot takes. Then we'll talk about what Jimmy Butler did last night that was flat out historic. And then, oh, by the way, the baseball postseason continues today with one of the angriest matchups you will see. And I'm not even talking about the one on the field. Wait till you hear this. Greeny, the podcast. 
Shopping for Mother's Day is usually a challenge because you wait until the last minute, but Macy's Gift Finder makes it incredibly fast and easy to find the right gift just in time for Mother's Day. Whether you're shopping for your sister's first Mother's Day or your fashionista mom who loves to make a statement, Macy's Gift Finder has so many great gift ideas that you can easily pick out something special to celebrate them both. You can shop by price, anywhere from 25 bucks and under to 100 bucks and under. You can also sort by category like fragrance, handbags, and more, or gift lists like for the mom who has everything, pre-wrapped gifts or gifts for grandma. Find top brands like Studio Pro Model Beats headphones, Polaroid cameras, and Samsung smart TVs. So what are you waiting for? Mother's Day is May 12th. It'll be here before you know it. Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for mom easy this year. Head to Macy's.com slash gift finder today. That's Macy's.com slash gift finder. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do, big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, Give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Greeny today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Greeny, G-R-E-E-N-Y. Grady with you on ESPN Radio, and I want to make sure you're aware that this show is also a podcast. Hashtag Greeny is the name. We put it up every single day after the show, both hours. Each one is its own little separate podcast. You can listen to an hour here, an hour there, anytime you want, every single day. Find it anywhere you find your podcasts. We have a lot of fun here. It's been, it's been terrific, and it's only getting better and better as the sports get busier and busier. So I've given you my hot takes. Just moments ago, I told you three things. One, Odell Beckham yesterday made the biggest play of the season. Two, the Cowboys are still going to win the NFC East. And three, the Patriots are still going to win the AFC East. Those are my hot takes, and I backed them up. Now it's your turn. Bubba, let's turn on some music. Let's get to the phones here, and let's get some folks in with their hot takes. It starts with Rohan. Rohan, you're on with Greeny. What's your hot take? My hot take is, and thanks for having me, my hot take is that Joe Burrow is the best quarterback in the AFC North. And I know that there is a two-time Super Bowl champion there. There's an MVP there, former number one overall pick in Baker Mayfield there. But if you give all four quarterbacks the same talent around them, I'm taking Joe Burrow out of the four. I love that take, Rohan. I don't know if I agree with it or not. I probably don't. But it is exactly what this segment should be. And if you are indeed a fan of the Bengals, which I'm guessing you are just from the the sound of your voice, congratulations, because I agree with you that he's unbelievable. Now, I'm not sure he's better than Lamar Jackson. We'll see. Let's let's see where time takes Joe Burrow. But I do think he's the goods. I think he's got the leadership. I think he's got the talent. I think he's got everything you want. Moxie, the rookies. I tell you, and give credit to Herbert, too. Justin Herbert comes in, goes toe-to-toe with... Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady in his first three games doesn't win, but really acquits himself well. So the rookie quarterbacks have looked great. And I love, I love Burrow. 
enough that I love to take Rohan, even if I don't fully agree with it. I would definitely take him ahead of Mayfield. I wouldn't take his. I wouldn't take him ahead of Ben Roethlisberger's past. I mean, Ben Roethlisberger is a first ballot Hall of Famer. We're going to need to see some more from Burrow on that front. But right now, I'll take the kid. Sure. Can't take him ahead of Lamar Jackson this minute, but let's see where he goes. I like to take Rohan, and I like that you sort of get the way the game is played. Hot takes with Greeny. Steve, you're next up on ESPN Radio. Steve, give me a hot take. Steve is no more. However, we do have Kyler. Well, wait, the way you say that, Bubba, when you say Steve is no more, yeah. hopefully he just he's just hung up or something like that, right? I mean, it's not as though something terrible happened to Steve. I mean, I can't confirm or deny. All I know is he's no okay. more. Okay, well, no. How about he's not on the phone any longer? When, when, usually when we say someone is no more, you know, we're referring to something far more We don't have any more than, Steve. That's all I know. Okay. <laughs> we, are, we are Steveless, at least for the moment. We're out of Steve. All right, hashtag Bubba. Who's next? We got Kyler, though. We're full of Kyler. Kyler, Kyler uh, you're on with Greeny. What's your hot take? Hello, Greeny. I'll be your Steve. Uh, my hot take is that over the next five years, we're going to see more running backs than wide receivers drafted in the first round of the NFL draft. And here's the reason why. Kevin Stefanski looks like he's put together a system that works for Baker Mayfield, who was a middle-of-the-road mobile quarterback. This historically has not worked. You want the tall, big-handed, tall, dark, and handsome quarterback. But how many quarterbacks like JT Barrett, who... Did he even get drafted after breaking all the Big Ten records? Go untouched. If Kevin Stefanski can show that this system works, the run-first play-action offense, we're going to start seeing a lot of franchises who have been waiting for quarterbacks to be on the board, taking quarterbacks later in the first round and drafting running backs higher. Kyler, I have only one piece of bad news for you, and that is that I don't have any prize to give you for being my favorite call of the day. That is an outstanding take, and I love it. I absolutely love it. The running game makes Baker Mayfield look like the first pick in the draft. That's an extraordinarily good point. I'll add to it. I believe that we're going to see running backs go in the first round because it's the best time to get a running back. The lot in life of an NFL running back is to get drafted, to get used up, and then to get moved on from. And they're all holding out. Zeke Elliott and all these guys, Dalvin Cook, uh, Christian McCaffrey, they're not going to step foot on the field without their extensions, nor should they. So draft a running back, that's the best time to get a running back at the beginning of his career because he's cheap and you can use him up. So I totally agree with you. We will see first-round running backs becoming more and more of a thing again. Kyler, that's an excellent call. Need one more hot take, Bubba. Is it Dave? Who do I have ready to go? Dave is ready. Dave is ready. Dave, you're on with Greeny. What's your hot take? Good morning, G. Good morning. I mean, good afternoon, G. Good afternoon. Now, look, good morning. Let me Thank you. Let down to you real quick. The yes. Bears are still going to make the playoffs. You better believe it, okay? We are for mm-hmm. sure going to make the playoffs. But you know what? You know what? Uh, Nick Foles Nick, Nick Foles got to get the job done. You know, he is not our quarterback of the future, all right? Uh, he's, still, he's still holding that ball too long in the pocket, right? You know, I would have preferred him coming in between week six and week eight because you, who knows how long he's really going to last, right? He had, that, he had that hit to the knee, and we thought he was out for the – for the rest of the game, you know, I sure, I sure did. I dropped my phone right when that happened. <laughs> but, uh, but the Bears, better believe the Bears are still gonna make the playoffs. Our defense is still electrifying. We gotta clean some things up in the secondary. You know, we're getting too many penalties called. But you know, Hakeem Hicks is still the number one defensive lineman, and he's still leading the league in sacks uh, as a defensive line. Uh, and 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 Khalil Mack gonna have to show up on the other side, right? But you better believe we're gonna get there. Our running game is 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 mediocre at best, subpar at best. Yeah. 
Um, we have to clean up our offensive line because that, our line just got worked on yesterday. Now, without all being said, Nagy is offensive genius. Uh, he's going to fix some things up on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, even in the fourth now, quarter, we still have shown some light. Uh, but we Dave, let me ask you a question. Hold on a second. Hold on. Hold on. Dave, let me ask you a question. I, w- I have a serious question for you because I like your confidence and I like I like that you still that you believe in your team. I think you're pointing out a very important thing about the Bears, and that is quarterback is not the only issue they've had on the offensive side. Uh, they've got a total of one player on that entire offense that scares you. If you're coaching the other team, and that's Allen Robinson, don't they need more good players on offense? Tell you the truth, Green. Greeny, you know, if we fixed up that line, we could do some damage with the players that we had, okay? That mm-hmm. interception was not, that interception wasn't uh, Nick Foles' fault. That was uh, Miller's, you know. Uh, Allen Robinson is a is a number one receiver who needs to get paid immediately. And right behind him is Miller, too. He could do some things. And we have some good weapons. And if, and if Tariq Cohen wasn't hurt, you wouldn't be saying that neither. So uh, if That's our true, but he's line hurt. was to clean up our act, give, give Nick some time, we would be doing some work. He wouldn't be getting okay. that. He wouldn't be getting. Well, that should have been a flag yesterday when they when he said the, the lineman blocked him to his knees, but you know he didn't. Mm-hmm. Dave, thank you. Thank you very much for the call. I appreciate it. I appreciate the take, and I appreciate your confidence in your team. I'm not 100% sure I believe it. I really don't. I'm not suggesting that I don't believe you, but I don't believe in them. I just don't think they're that good. I, 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 I Maybe I'm going to hear it later from my friends Waddle and Sylvie, but I... I I just I don't think that the quarterback is necessarily the whole issue. Watching them play yesterday, that was an excruciating game to watch. All right, Greeny with you. And, and I want to just address something quickly. I'm not defending Dan Orlovsky because he doesn't need defending. But Dan Orlovsky responded to something that Matt Patricia said yesterday. I'm just reading the stories. I didn't hear this. He was, so, so Orlovsky goes on KJZ this morning. And obviously, I don't get to hear it because I'm getting ready to go on or, or I was on the air at the same time. And I hadn't even seen this, but Matt Patricia, the coach of the Lions, whose team just does nothing but lose, particularly when they're in front. Matt Patricia yesterday suggested that he was handed a bare cupboard in taking over. Patricia, whose team has now lost 12 of its last 13 games and are the first team ever to lose six consecutive games after leading by at least 10 points in each actually said yesterday after a loss to the Saints that he was handed a very tough job. Quote, I think when I came to Detroit, there was a lot of work to do, and that's what we're trying to do. And good for Orlovsky, who knows that team and situation better than anybody, for firing back on that, pointing out that Jim Caldwell got fired in Detroit for not being able to take his team from point B to point C. Right There was this idea that, well, he got him from point A to point B, but if they're going to take the next step, we better bring someone else in here. And what Matt Patricia has done is brought them directly back again. They haven't gone from B to C. They've gone from B back to A. And I can give you the proof of that. The proof is in the fact that during Jim Caldwell's tenure as the coach of the Lions, he was 36 and 28. He had a better record during those seasons than Sean Payton did in New Orleans or John Harbaugh did in Baltimore. Those guys are both considered great coaches. And Caldwell got fired. And now Patricia's trying to tell you it's because he, he took over some massive rebuilding job. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. He was brought there to win because that was a belief that that team was a win-now team. So I'm not interested in hearing that from Matt Patricia, who has never seen a reporter that he thought had any idea what he was talking about. You can't keep blowing leads like that and continue to point at other people. It's not Jim Caldwell's fault 
that they can't hold on to a 10-point lead. So the proof is in the numbers, and the proof is in the Pennzoil. Pennzoil synthetic motor oils made from natural gas gives you unbeatable engine protection. The proof is in the Pennzoil based on sequence 4A wear test using SAE 5W30. All right, much more to do as we continue here. Coming up next, my favorite soundbite of the weekend by far. If you haven't heard it, you're going to love it right after this. Greeny on ESPN Radio. Greeny, the podcast. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. A masterpiece from Jimmy Butler. You had a 40-point triple-double tonight in an NBA Finals game. That is the best game of your career. I don't care about a triple. I don't care about none of that. I really don't. I want to win. It wasn't just the best game of his career. It was one of the best games anyone ever played in the NBA Finals. Greeny with you. Jimmy Butler last night with his back to the wall and his team basically facing the end of their season. Put up a 40-point, 11-rebound, 13-assist masterpiece. Third player ever with a 40-point triple-double in the finals. The other were Jerry West and LeBron James. LeBron shot 44% from the floor the night he did it. Jerry West shot 48% the night he did it. Jimmy Butler last night shot 70% from the floor. He also became the third player in finals history to lead all players on both teams in points, rebounds, and assists. LeBron James had done it. Shaq had done it. And now Jimmy Butler did it. Do I think this is a series? Absolutely not. The Lakers let their foot off the gas. Butler had an enormous game. Lakers got away from themselves, shooting threes like they were going out of style for reasons known only to them. Lakers will still win this series in five, max six. But I'm glad to see at least Miami making it interesting. And if they get out of bio back for tomorrow night, maybe that becomes a game. And if they do, then who knows what might happen. But if you're asking me for a prediction, there's no question in my mind. The Lakers still wind up winning this series, and I'll take them in five. But it's not because Jimmy Butler didn't do everything humanly possible in this game last night. Jimmy Butler was making moves. Making Moves is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. Build your winning team today. Go to linkedin.com slash sports. All right. So it is an unprecedentedly wonderful week in sports. We've got not one but two NFL games on the schedule for tonight. You've got the NBA Finals that continue. The WNBA Finals continue. The baseball playoffs roll on today and let me make a quick stop there i want to play you what i told you was my favorite soundbite of the weekend by far so the astros are still alive in these playoffs they'll play oakland starting today yankees rays is the other american league series but you probably saw this when the astros advanced through the best of three last weekend carlos correa of the astros who got into the playoffs this year under 500 and remain 
in many people's eyes, the scourge of the sport for having cheated their way to a World Series championship, Carlos Correa was talking all sorts of noise after that series and essentially ended with, well, what are they going to say about us now? Well, my friend C.C. Sabathia heard that, and his response was absolutely priceless. Bubba, let's hear C.C. They cheated, and then they're mad at us. Like, get the f*** out of here. It's a a f***ing joke. And then you finish under 500 this year. Like, shut the f*** up. Exactly, man. The the kid's a clown, man. I'm sorry. How about that? How about CeCe having none of it with Ruko in the background trying to get a word in edgewise, but there's CeCe just having absolutely none of it. And he couldn't be more right. The Astros, I, I wouldn't think that cheating your way to a World Series wouldn't be the worst thing that a team has done. But their total lack of self-awareness has actually been more unpleasant than the cheating in the first place. Because here's the thing. They weren't the only team cheating. They're just the only ones who got caught. And they did it better than everybody else. They won the World Series. But to come out this way for Correa after winning a best of three, after getting into the playoffs only because they took eight teams in there because we're in a pandemic and start shooting your mouth off and saying, well, what are they going to say about us now? I love what CC said. I would have said the same thing, but it means nothing coming from me and means everything coming from him. Greeny with you, inviting you to download the DraftKings app and use my name as the code, Greeny. You'll get a free shot at millions of dollars up for grabs this week with your first deposit. Minimum $5 deposit is required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. I want to finish with this today. I'm getting a lot of really nice reaction to a piece I did uh, on television this morning about Bob Gibson. And you can see it on my Twitter page or my Instagram page. Both of them are at ESPN Greeny. Bob Gibson died over the weekend at the age of 84, pancreatic cancer. Bob Gibson is not only one of the greatest pitchers that ever lived, but one of the greatest legends that ever lived. In my youth, the name Bob Gibson actually scared me, and I didn't have to go to the plate against him. But he was the most intimidating pitcher of my lifetime. He was the kind of person you thought would live forever. And his 1968 season may genuinely have been the greatest season anyone ever had in any sport. He pitched 13 shutouts that year. He started 37 games, including the playoffs, and was not removed from any of them. And his ERA of 1.12 is a record that no one has sniffed. Sports are made great by larger-than-life legends. There have been few greater than Bob Gibson. And so I would conclude today's show by saying simply this. If they do play baseball in heaven, they better get someone ready to go lower the mound because they're going to need to. R.I.P. Bob Gibson. Have a great day. I'll see you tomorrow. Greeny on ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to Greeny, the podcast. You can get more from Greeny live weekdays at noon Eastern on ESPN Radio and on ESPN News. And don't miss Greeny on Get Up every morning at 8 Eastern on ESPN. Greeny, the podcast.